Let's pray again before we open it. Father in heaven, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds. May your Holy Spirit speak to us in a way that makes us different when we walk out the doors today from how we walked in. Thank you that you are with us on our journey. Oh, we look forward to getting home with you. But until we get there, we look forward to walking with you and with each other. Amen. Amen. Recently, I was thinking about throwing out my high school yearbooks. I am tired of seeing the skinny me with lots of hair. And it's been over 40 years, and maybe, do they still do yearbooks? I don't know. Do we still do yearbooks? It's been a while. I think they still do. Um, Thinking about throwing out my academy yearbooks, and then I decided I might regret that if I do it, so let's wait. Then I started looking at my Andrews University yearbooks from 40 years ago. I hadn't looked at them in about 20, 30 years. Hairstyles were different in the 80s. Dress was different, music was different, Um, Andrews was different. But the interesting thing was, for the first time in 40 years, I wrote the, I read the things they wrote in the yearbook. You know, usually yearbooks, you're just flashing, where's my picture, where's my picture, where's my picture? But I actually read through the Andrews yearbooks from 40 years ago, and they were deeply profound and meaningful in talking about that college time journey. And this week, in thinking about our journey together, we're going to start with us and we're going to branch out. Thinking about our journey together, I want to ask you a lot of questions. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will help you to think. I probably don't have any answers for you, but Jesus has answers for you. So don't look to me, look to Jesus, look to his word. So I want to ask you a whole bunch of questions. And the good thing is you don't have to take a test and write this down. But number one, what journey are you on today? What journey are you on today? Obviously, like I mentioned earlier, we're all on this COVID journey and The crazy thing about it is we're not sure when it's going to end. You know, when I drive to Southern, I know that once I get through Atlanta, I'm almost there. I I know where I'm at. I know when when I hit the Florida border coming home, it's three hours to Orlando. Um, There's certain markers posted along the way. The COVID journey, we just don't know where we're how much more we've got to go. So we're on that journey together. How are you doing on your journey? Um, I pretend a lot of times that I'm doing great and okay. When people ask you, how are you doing? Do they really want me to answer that question? Do they really want to hear the story? Or you ask somebody, how are you doing? How's it going? And I'll throw this on families. Um... I want to say hi to my mom, who's watching in Ohio, my sister in Dayton. Say hi to them, because I haven't seen them for a year because of COVID. So hi, mom, sis. How you doing on your journey? And I would say to families, fathers and mothers, and daughters and sons and brothers and sisters, 
Take the time to check in with your family and ask, how are you doing? And I mean stop and pause and put your iPhone in another room and talk together. And then here's a big one, and this is good for us in the church, but there's also people in the church that it's not good for. Are you traveling with someone or are you traveling alone on your journey? And in doing visitation, I visit a lot of people that live alone, spend a lot of time alone, um, come to church alone. Do you know people can be here and be lonely, right? You know people can be in the group and be lonely and feel like they're not seen or nobody notices them. So are you traveling or alone, alone or with someone? Let's see if I can find this here. Do we still use these? Do we still use folders? I do. I, I remember when you used to go to medical offices and they had walls of them? Or um, when I was an academy principal, I'd have folders on kids and they'd come in and you'd open the folder and, hey, you got a nice history going here at the academy. Let's talk about it. I have thought about if Jesus had given my wife and I a folder 32 years ago when we got married, and not in regards to our marriage, I'm not gonna go into our marriage folder with you, okay? But if Jesus had given us a folder and said, okay, Steve and Nadine, in the next 32 years, these are the things that are gonna happen to you, these are the things that are gonna occur, um, these are the trials you're gonna go through. If I had opened that folder and looked at it, I would have been overwhelmed. And Jesus has a folder on all of us or a, a something that they're recording on us or it's in his mind. Key journeys in your life. Tell me if any of these sound familiar. None of us can, have, none of us can escape this one. Birth. We all were born. Okay? Second, infant, infancy, which you have that time in your life. Let's go Zion, right? Zion is dependent on being cared for, for food, for clothes, for love. Okay, we're infants. Then we hit childhood. No bills, no stress, no big worries being a child. Then youth and teenage years, okay, things start to get real there. And you go to high school, you go to middle school, some of us have gone to college. You have your work journey, your career journey. Some of you have just ended your career journeys. Retirement, I talked to you. It's an adjustment. Some of you are just starting your career journeys. Young adulthood. I hear from some young adults that adulthood is overrated. Middle age, I used to be there. Senior citizens, we have the journey of marriage for some, parenting for some, adoption for some, foster homes for some. For a lot of you that I talk with, you are caregivers for parents, for children, for loved ones. That's a journey, isn't it? Being a caregiver. In this community, health issues. Again, I, I'm aware of many of your health issues. One thing we don't think about a lot in the church, but we should, mental health and depression issues. People on that journey. Suffering. Loss of a spouse. Loss of a parent. Loss of a grandparent. 
loss of a child. I did a funeral about a month ago, and next to the funeral we were doing, there was a little tiny white tombstone that said, Sarah Smith, October 28, 1968, November 1, 1968. Four-day life, the loss of a child. I know some of you have gone through loss of a grandchild, loss of a job. We can go on financial, rejection, betrayal, friendships. The point is that there are many different journeys that we are on and many of us are on several journeys at the same time. And Jesus knows where you are on your journey. Now in the big picture of history, Pastor Tim, I woke up today and I was thinking, am I going to do a lot of walking or I going to stay stationary? What's going to be comfortable? And I came to church and the decision was made for me. This is as far as I can walk. So I was going to go way over there and say in the stages of history, we have Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created everything, Genesis 1. And then we come over here, Revelation 21 and 22, a new heaven and a new earth. But there's that in-between journey between Eden and the new Jerusalem. And we are in the 21st century since Christ came, traveling our journey. Think of all the people that have traveled journeys before us. So I could talk about Bible history. Aren't the stories in the Bible a lot of stories of, you know, Adam and Eve's journey, Abraham's journey, Noah's journey, Joseph's journey, David's journey, the prophet's journey, Jesus' journey, the new church, the New Testament. A lot of journeys in the Bible. And think about this. The Bible is a collection of people's journeys over thousands of years. But your story and your journey is no different or less important to God than each of those journeys in the Bible. I have a feeling someday when we get to the library in heaven and uh, maybe there's books on all of us and Jesus has edited our sins out. It's our story, the sins are redacted, they're crossed out. But when we can go in and look at all the journeys of all the people of all time, and there'll be the Bible people's journeys, but our journeys are going to be just as fascinating to them as their journeys are to us. So we have human history, nation's history, church history. Let me try to do this really quick. First, second, first century, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Twenty-first century church. We've had 20 centuries of church history where it has been quite a journey for the Adventist church, 1863, when we were founded to today. We're a part of that journey. The Christian church from the time of Jesus. Um, would you say we've become more united or divided as Christians? Probably divided over history. We need to find a way to be united. Okay, um, I'm going to skip over U.S. history. Is that okay? We'll just sort of let that one, we'll let that go. Um, then we get down to your family history, which I'm going to drop mine on you in a second. You've got your family history, and you've got your life 
history. So lots of histories, a lot of journeys. What journey do you remember in your life? Or what journeys do you remember in your life? What sticks out to you? Just think about that. What journeys in your life do you remember? Promised my wife I would not talk about our dating journey, so I'm not going to go there. Relax, stay calm. I will mention in 1977, my grandfather, who's buried over here at Memory Gardens, Highland Memory Gardens, Memorial Gardens, he took my brother and I on a five-week trip west. This is 1977, so we're cut off from my parents no cell phones, no iPads. Five weeks we traveled west and saw all kinds of things and I kept a journal and we saw the national parks and we did all things. But two things, well one thing sticks out to me on that journey. We were in Anaheim, California and he had his Winnebago and he couldn't, for some reason there wasn't a KOA campground in Anaheim. So he decided we would spend the night under a bridge an expressway bridge, just park under there. It, it, I'm scared to death when I think of it now. Um, he did have a gun under his pillow, but I was more worried about my brother getting the gun than my grandpa defending us. I, the, I st but what I remember is all that time with him and he took the time to take us on that incredible five-week journey with grandpa. Then in 1979, my dad went with me to Chicago to pick up a 19, we went from Ohio to Chicago to pick up a 1972 Ford Mustang. My first car, didn't have a muffler, made a lot of noise. I like that. The thing I didn't like when we picked up the car was there was no floor in the back. There was no floor in the back on one side. You could see the road you were driving. And the shocking thing is my parents let me drive my brother and sister to school with no floor on the back of the car. I remember my dad doing that. It's interesting when someone passes away, and my dad's been gone for 20 years, how you remember back, you think back. You're getting a bonus story. They didn't get this in first service because I have un unlimited time now. I, there's no next service, so. I also remember being 16 and my dad letting me drive the family to church, Kettering Church. And when you came out of Kettering Church, it's like coming out of here. If you make a left turn, there's multiple traffic. And I wasn't a patient driver and there were a lot of church members behind me. And I pulled out and almost had a huge wreck. And I remember my dad speaking in tongues. So, um, my mom would remember that story. Lots of stories, I'll give you one more. My I'll go to my grandpa again. In 1986, he wanted to go back to Gary, Indiana and see all the places he grew up and all his family history. So I went with him, we drove together, it was a great trip. And he went to see where he worked. And he went, to, he went to a McDonald's he used to go to. He went in there after being gone 15 years. Somebody said, hey, Steve, how you doing? Great to see you. And, and then we went to his father's tomb, which I'll get to that story in a second. He visited his father's tomb. And then he wanted to go to the Crown Point Jail where he worked as a 
detective. Now, the history of the Crown Point Jail, maybe some of you have heard of John Dillinger. This is the, this is the jail that he carved a bar of soap and put shoe polish on it and escaped out of it way before my grandpa's time. But my grandpa worked there. He wanted to go there. We went there. The building was in shambles. The, the roof was open. And uh, he said, let's go inside. And I thought, maybe not a good idea to trespass. But he wanted to go in. So we go up to the front door. There's a big iron gate door there. It's hanging there. And he says, let's take the door home. I was driving a Dodge Omni, which is a little car. Somehow I talked him out of that it probably wasn't a good idea to take property from a uh, government building. So we went inside. He looked around. We were about to leave. And he looked on a table. There was some paper. And on the paper it said, Car 55, Stephen Uskert, his name. How crazy is that? I mean, he was looking for meaning and looking for history, revisit places he had been. And there, after 20 years, open air, piece of paper with his name on it. I'll never, never forget that. So we've got a lot of stories. If I opened it up, you guys could come up and tell a lot of meaningful, meaningful stories of past journeys. And almost all of us, almost all of us here have a story of family immigrants in our past. Saw a cartoon this week. It was a Thanksgiving cartoon. It had the Native Americans and the pilgrims, and it said, a time when Americans helped immigrants and saved them from starving to death. Got that? Time when Americans helped immigrants from starving to death. All of us have these immigration stories in our past. Mine, yours, come from different places. Mine are Norway, Germany, Romania, Czechoslovakia, wherever yours came from. It wasn't an, it wasn't an easy journey. It involved crossing the Atlantic Ocean in a boat or a ship that was not a cruise liner. Now, let's be clear here. We got to be clear. Unfortunately, some of us, our ancestors came on ships that were not as good as ships. There were slave ships that brought people. There were indentured servants that brought people. Um, also, some people came with huge risks and danger and big changes in their lives. And it meant a new language to come here, a new life. They were all immigrants coming to America. My great-grandmother, the mother of my grandpa over here, they came from Czechoslovakia on a journey looking for a better life, a better way. They got here, they had four kids, four kids under six years old. My great-grandfather had a store with his brother. One Friday when it was payroll day, somebody broke into the store and murdered my great-grandfather and his brother and burned the store down. And this means that my great-grandmother, who spoke no English, was now a widow in the United States of America with four children under the age of six. I remember meeting her, Grandma Pauline. She would squeeze my cheeks and say, Stevie, Stevie, Stevie. 
somehow, and to me this is awesome, she worked as a janitor for like 40 years in the local public school, supported her kids, got them through life, and uh, made it. So it hasn't been an easy journey for every immigrant to America. My uh, grandmother's, my great-grandmother, who I have a picture of in my office, I've told you this, my great-grandmother, grandmother, mother, me, and my son. I have a five-generation picture in my office. My great-grandmother came from Romania, and she was told by her husband, we're going to come for one year, and then we'll go back. She had seven sisters and a brother. Sixty years later, she got to go back and see her family. She came thinking she was going to stay for a short time. She spent the rest of her life here. Okay, lots of stories, lots. I could go on and on and on. Think about your stories, your journey, your family, what's brought you here today. Do you take the time to remember the journeys? Okay, we're going to go to the glasses and we're going to go to Numbers 33 and it should pop up on the on the screen. Tim, I like to hold the Bible. Um, I guess I'm old school. I like to see it. I like to feel it. I'm not like pa Pastor Jeff comes up with an iPad. I know I would come up and my battery would die. <laughs> and then things would go down a different path. Numbers 33, 1 to 2. I encourage you to read the whole chapter later today or later this week. Here's what Moses says. These are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out from the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. How many years were they in Egypt? 400, over 400. In slavery, tough life. Okay, they're coming out. Verse 2, now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of who? The Lord. And these are their journeys according to their starting points. What can we learn from them? The journey of the Hebrews from Egypt to the land of promise that might help us today. Let's be practical. Number one, we may feel that we are alone, but we are never alone because God is with us. That cloud of fire that cloud during the day that gave them shade, that fire at night that gave them heat. The desert can get cold. That cloud that came down between them and the Egyptian army. Forget the clouds. That's Jesus with them. Jesus in the every day there. I mean, how cool if we had a visible cloud or something we could see follow us around. We know the Holy Spirit is with us. But Israel, whenever they felt alone, they could look up and see, boom, God is with us. Cloud of shade by day, fire by night. Second lesson we can learn from them for church today, the value and security of togetherness. And I lost it somewhere. There's a little blue card out there. Maybe they gave it to you on the way coming in. You can get one on the way out. It's a togetherness card. There it is. Steve's got one. It's blue. It's one of our five values here at the church. Worship, togetherness, family, service, testimony. This coming up year, we're going to focus, focus on family and togetherness. So I'm trying to tie that into it. You can get one at the table going out. The Hebrews learned the value and security 
of togetherness. Would you like to cross a desert by yourself? No way. It's a whole lot better doing it together. Number three, important for us. Even though God is with us all the time, Pastor Julie, there will be suffering and loss on the journey. There will be suffering and loss on the journey. I think suffering and loss is a theme that all of us can connect into. Number four. Ooh, I like this one. There is a final destination to the journey. The promised land. Mm. Eden restored. Perfect world, perfect world, sin in between journey. And the awesome thing is that Jesus entered history and came on the journey with us. And he experienced suffering and he experienced loss but he did it for us. So there is a final destination to the journey. Um, I know when you're, going to, when you're going to college, Dale, when you cross the border into Tennessee, you know you're about five, six miles away. That's a great feeling. Almost as great as when you get through Atlanta. That's another great feeling when you're on the other side with the traffic. Okay, final destination. And then the last one, on our journey, on their journey, on your journey, God has a plan. God has a plan. When you feel like your life, this doesn't make sense. This is not working out. This is not good. Um, why is this happening to me? God has a plan, and I'm going to share it with you from the Word in a second. So, two questions for you. Here you go, church. How can we as the church and disciples of Jesus help each other as fellow believers on our journey today? How can we help each other? Let's get practical. Number one, I got to work on this one because I like to talk, but I need to listen. We need to listen to each other. I want to make a point here. We don't have to agree with each other. Don't worry about trying to make everybody agree with you. It's never going to happen. Try to listen to each other. Um, Pastor Tim, one of the things I found in ministry is if I can just take the time to be there and listen and help somebody feel cared for, that works. People don't remember your words a lot. You're not going to remember this sermon more than maybe 20 minutes after you leave or during lunch when you talk about it. Um, but people remember whether you're there or not. People remember your presence Okay, so the second point is that we take time for each other. One sort of good thing about this COVID time, it slowed us down. I sure was running a lot. There's not as many places to run to. Take time for each other. Here's a novel idea. Julie, let's pray for each other in the church. And I'm going to say, I'm going to come down on you and me. Let's stop gossiping about each other. Let's just stop. Gossiping is the cancer of the church. Let's stop. Take the time you gossip and pray for somebody you really don't like. 
And then think about people that maybe don't like you and pray that you can become more likable. Or pray for somebody that just comes across your mind. Take the time to pray for each other. People text me and say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. That is awesome. You know, I do that with people too. But when somebody, or man, if I get a letter in the mail, I mean, that's just a shock if somebody writes a letter, okay? Make positive phone calls. Texts, cards, letters, conversations. Support each other. Okay, church, I'm not done with you. Here we go. This is the one I really want you to take home. How can we as the church and disciples of Jesus help unbelievers on their journey? Because it's nice to live in the bubble. I was born in the Adventist bubble, went to school in the Adventist bubble, I took some time out and worked outside of the Adventist bubble. Now I'm back in the bubble. It's a great bubble. I love it. It's a wonderful place to be. But how do we, as Adventists, and I'll go out to Christians, believers, what can we do to help unbelievers on their journeys? And you know they're on the same journeys we are. You know that everything that is happening in the world is happening in the church. And everything that's happening in the church is happening in the world. And yes, God has his church, but every human being in the world is his son and daughter. That makes them our family, our brothers and sisters. So how can the church help unbelievers? I'm going to start at the same place I started last time. Listen to them. We are good, we're very good preaching at them telling them where their thinking is wrong, their theology is wrong, their lifestyle is wrong. You know whose job it is to change that? The Holy Spirit. Our job is to be a witness. So listen to them. How about we walk with them on their journey? Oh my, gonna walk with an unbeliever on their journey? Why do we seek to understand their journey? I don't know about you, I can speak to myself. And out in the world, most of us are on journeys and paths that we've made some decision to walk on. Okay? Now, if they're walking on a path that you don't want to walk on, I'm not saying you got to do what they're doing on their path, but let's at least once in a while get on the same path with them and walk. How about we provide for their needs, physical, emotional, spiritual? How about we pray for them? This one, I'm going to hit myself right between the eyes with this. If it applies to you, apply it. But I'm, I'm pointing it at me specifically. Steve, stop judging unbelievers. Stop judging them. And offer them togetherness. There's, there's no reason why an unbeliever wouldn't like to come to church to be with people. We should make this a place where unbelievers like to come. Does Jesus want them to come? Yeah, make it a place. It's a lonely world. There's a lot of separation. There's a lot of isolation. There's an opportunity to reach them. So get to know your neighbors. I'm not saying they're your best friends, that you have them over all the time, whatever. You can be friendly, you can become friends, but get to know your neighbors. I hope you know the names of the people on each side of you, okay? If you don't know the people's names next to you, I dare you to introduce yourself. Try that one. 
Our presence in their lives and on their journey can be our witness of a loving God who has a loving church that has loving space for them to travel with us. Okay, so what do we do now? We got to move forward on our journey. We can't go back. And when is the time to move forward? Every day when the sun comes up, move forward. It's good to learn from the past, but let's not get stuck there. I love history. I love to read it. I like to learn it. We're learning from the Hebrews. It's good to learn there, but let's not get stuck there. Uh, Satan would like to have you remember all the guilt and bad things you've ever done. And we could fill volumes and volumes and volumes with that. When he starts doing that, think about him and his journey and that you were so valuable that he would come and be born and live and suffer and die and rise from the dead and be in heaven for you today. We must move forward together. There are a lot of things trying to separate us. Let's throw that out, okay? Let us find a way to come together. So, closing. A couple thoughts that we know. Jesus is always with us, even when we feel alone. Death is not the end of the journey. Let's keep the destinations in mind. Go to the glasses. You won't need your Bible because you know this one, but I like to read it. John 14, 1 to 3. Any of you have a troubled heart today? Jesus says, let, your heart, let not your heart be troubled. And what he meant there, don't let your heart stay troubled. We have troubled hearts. It's part of being human. He said, don't let your heart stay troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In other words, God and I, I am God. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to what? Prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and what? Receive you to myself that where I am, what? You may be also. One day Jesus is going to walk with you with your folder, maybe on a beach or a mountain or sit at a table. He's going to sit down and he's going to talk about, Jesus is going to say, Jeremy, I want to talk about our journey together, Jesus and you. I want to talk, I want to talk about before you were born and everything after. And I want to show you all the times I was with you when you thought that I was not. That's going to happen someday. He will say, let's take a look and review our journey together. Jesus, there's no rush. We have forever. Our journey together will be forever, Jesus will say, with each other forever and ever. Amen.